Welcome to the Shoesmith Sustainability Podcast, where we discuss the journey to net zero and the energy transition. In this episode, we focus on Northern Ireland and the geothermal energy as a source of low carbon renewable energy. Geothermal is something that we're seeing more and more of on the agenda. In March 2021, DFE launched its consultation on the net zero policy options, which highlighted that geothermal energy can make an important contribution to the decarbonisation of heat. A geothermal advisory committee has been established by DFE and most recently Net Zero Pathways Building the Geothermal Energy Sector NNI report was published in June 2022 and I'm delighted to be joined today by two of the report's authors, Professor Mark Palmer, Professor of Marketing and Strategic Management at Queen's and Joseph Ireland, a geothermal energy researcher and PhD candidate at Queen's is also the current vice chair of the Geothermal Advisory Committee. First off, guys, congratulations on the report. Um, I did take all morning reading it, so thank you very much for that. It was informative and certainly educated me in terms of geothermal. Uh, perhaps as a, a starting point, uh, Joe, you could give us a bit of background to geothermal energy. When I think of geothermal energy, I try to keep it as simple as possible in my definition of it, uh, because geothermal energy is at one with the sort of formation of our planet so at the turn of time itself, and if, if you think about Earth, the planet that we're on, uh, it's a spinning rock in the middle of the universe, and a, from where we're sitting here to the centre of the planet is roughly 6,500 kilometres away. So no matter where you are on Earth, the, um, the, the further you go towards the centre of the planet, the warmer it gets, and this is known as the, the geothermal gradient. Uh, the center of our planet is the estimated temperature of about 6,000 degrees Celsius. So um, from where we are here, as we go deeper, um, the ground gets warmer. So we want to use this naturally occurring heat then to generate heat and also power. Here in Northern Ireland, we're focusing on specifically geothermal heat projects and uh, not on, on geothermal power. Maybe in, in years to come, that be maybe something we will revisit. But so how do you, uh, you know, get that heat out of the ground? There's various technologies within geothermal to do that and various types of projects. There are two broad categories, shallow and deep. Uh, shallow projects are down to about 500 meters and then deep is anything from 500 meters onwards to 10 kilometers and there's enhanced geothermal drilling techniques that are being developed at the moment where they're looking beyond 10 kilometers as well but so the shallow systems and the deep systems then within that there's two categories of open loop or closed loop and open loop means where you're drilling to target a specific body of water known as as, as an aquifer so you have that is more geologically um, based. So you'd have to have resource mapping and uh, know what, what target you're trying to drill towards to get you know that warm body of water. So an open loop system normally comprises in of two wells, um, an abstraction well and a reinjection well. So you take the warm water out, you use it for the process, whether that's heat or power, uh, and then you re-inject the water back through um, the injector well. Closed-loop systems then are not geologically um, dependent. They use pipework and just the naturally occurring geothermal gradient. So um, you circulate fluid down, you drill your well, and you put a, a U-tube basically of pipework into the ground. And again, you circulate a fluid within that pipework that goes down to the, the target depth that you've drilled your well to. 
um, the fluid in the pipe warms up and you take that uh, warmer fluid back up and then there's a heat exchange process at surface and again through a heat exchanger you're normally going to generate heat or power depending on the depth you've drilled to and the desired output of the whole geothermal project. I think that's a sort of quite quick synopsis of it. But Yeah, in, in terms of Northern Ireland then, uh, Joe, is is it a good place for geothermal? Does it, is there specific regions that lend itself better? Yes, well, in Northern Ireland, we've got regions with quite a high geothermal gradient. And a, also across Northern Ireland, there's one formation that um, that we're targeting a, at the moment for a harvesting geothermal energy. And it's known as the Sherwood Sandstone. It actually outcrops its scrabble tar, uh, the quarry area. There's a, there's a 50 metre section of it exposed. Um, but then it dips down into the Lagan Valley, like where we're sitting now. If you drill roughly 30 to 40 metres below our feet, you'll you'll reach that aquifer. And in, in the Lagan Valley Basin, it's up to about 500 metres thick. Uh, and we've got a history of using uh, that aquifer for groundwater production. Uh, so if you take the Coca-Cola factory in Lisbon, for example, it's specifically placed here in the Lagan Valley because they take up to a million litres of water a day from the aquifer. Um, there's quite a lot, a, a lot of other um, organisations in the Belfast area, hospitals, uh, universities that use this aquifer for groundwater. So um, the Belfast area is, is quite suitable for open loop systems that you can target this um, shallow body of water and then use the heat in that water or because the water um, at, at a depth of about 100 metres below our feet is about 15 degrees Celsius. So you could use that water to, to feed a heat pump or to provide cooling in buildings. So there's a few uh, geothermal schemes in Belfast that use it for a uh, cooling, like the, the Lyric Theatre, for example. The auditoriums in there are cooled through geothermal. The School of Biological Sciences, a new build up in Chlorine Gardens, it uses uh, the Sherwood Sandstone Aquifer for cooling. And then if you look just around the corner from it uh, at Riddle Hall, there's a closed loop system there with the pipework in the ground. And they use this, um, the Sherwood Sandstone formation for, for heating. That project um, is in final stages now. And I think the building is due to hand over to Queen's before the end of the year. So that's in the Belfast area. But if you go further out into Northern Ireland, up into Antrim, Loch Ney, this Sherwood Sandstone formation dives a lot deeper down. I'm not a geologist, but um, and the geology lingo is much more technical than what I can state. But you're looking at depths, you know, of, of over a thousand meters down towards two kilometers. And um, for example, a well was drilled for geothermal exploration in Northern Ireland in the late 1970s in Larne, and they drilled to about two kilometers. And the water temperature in the aquifer there was at about um, 91, 92 degrees Celsius. So um, Northern Ireland represents a quite diverse opportunity for geothermal, both shallow and deeper projects and both open and closed loop systems. There are other types of systems used around the world that are more enhanced geothermal systems, but they're not the type of technology that we're looking to introduce here in, in Northern Ireland. Thanks, Joe. Um, Mark, following on from that uh, and in terms of the Net Zero Pathways report. What are the specific opportunities through geothermal in decarbonising Northern Ireland? Okay, um, thank you um, for having us along here today. Um, well, I, I think there's a whole range of um, opportunities. Certainly, if you look at the consumer networks uh, and new builds and residentials, um, along with uh, business networks as well. But if you look at 
for example, what the International Energy Agency has um, clearly identified in its research that around 51% uh, of all energy, the total energy consumption is thermal. And so you can really see there's a there's a big opportunity there. Um, most of the focus to date, arguably, has been on transport, uh, which accounts for about 32% uh, of the total energy consumption and power, uh, 17%. So as Joe's saying there, um, we would certainly see a, an opportunity for decarbonizing the, the built environment, both in terms of heating and cooling solutions. And if you look at the UK Climate Commission report update in June 2022, you'll see that they have a beautifully um, uh, constructed table um, uh, and in the middle of that table you see that the built environment or the buildings and um, very little progress has been made in terms of decarbonizing uh, the built uh, stock. So there is a real um, opportunity, um, certainly in terms of the decarbonization, but I think also equally important um, for building a, an alternative market. Uh, a sustainable market, and uh, that's really what our report, our first report um, that was commissioned for the Department for the Economy, was very much setting out that this was an opportunity to build uh, a market and, and how we go about doing that in terms of putting in place the right, uh, correct uh, confidence measures so that different investments in different communities uh, and all of the community can engage uh, in geothermal uh, adoption. Thank you. Um- Mark, in, in terms of the progress being made, uh, Joe summarised a few of the, the projects uh, ongoing at, at the moment. What progress do we need to see? At this stage, I would uh, certainly identify that both the shallow and the deep side of, of the um, development is at the niche stage. Uh, and so what we are putting forward is the idea that that geothermal has afforded the same opportunity and the same protection um, and to be nurtured uh, and developed as wind and solar and uh, the other uh, hydrogen um, type solutions. We're very much saying that, that, that there is an opportunity there, but um, that we need some mechanisms and um, support mechanisms in place to, to uh, enable that to take place. Yeah, could maybe just add a point there, John, too, because the energy strategy itself that the Department for Economy have um, published is is very much a portfolio driven uh, approach towards net zero and they've outlined their vision in that document for net zero affordable energy so how can we get to net zero then it's, it's going to take a portfolio driven approach of which geothermal can you know significantly contribute we believe on, on the heat sector because um, geothermal isn't uh, is it's not a technological breakthrough it's a it's a market breakthrough we're looking at because other countries um, have been using this technology for decades. So, but here in Northern Ireland, a drilling as an industry isn't a, you know, it's it's quite niche, as Mark said, and, and non-existent to a certain extent. Yes, we've got some drilling history for groundwater and boreholes, but as we mentioned, there, there's only a couple of, of actual geothermal projects. So when I initially started out my research, it was initially engineering focused on um, the technology and improving the technology. But uh, as my research evolved over time, um, the social side of it started to, to come more and more to the front as, it, as I started to realize the technology is quite widely accepted, but it's the market that, that doesn't exist. So it's the socio-techno relationship 
that day that Mark and I, the Geothermal Advisory Committee, the Geological Survey of Northern Ireland and the Department for Economy are trying to integrate, you know, through these reports. So that um, the way I sort of think about it is just to give geothermal its day in court sort of thing. Well, we're in the right place here for with the lawyers. But yeah, because we just believe that the technology can significantly contribute if it's given you know, the time and space to do that. And and where is its best contribution in terms of sector? Is it uh, industry, residential? It's industrial heat isn't something we'd be looking at initially because um, we, we want to, to, to build the sector outwards. And as Mark said, we, we want to start first with, with the shallow projects. So we're not going to be looking at high-grade heat there. We're going to be looking at um, residential-style heat or commercial, commercial building-style heat. And at a... Um, Geothermal Week, which was a, a series of events organised at Queen's uh, back in June. Um, the Minister for the Economy, Gordon Lyons, uh, announced two geothermal demonstrator projects, the first of which is a shallow one on the Stormont Estate, and that will be fo- focusing on low-grade heat for commercial buildings on a, the Stormont Estate. And in time, there will be a, a deeper project where we will look at um, higher grade heat in the Sherwood Samsung, maybe down at about two kilometres, where that heat may be used for more industrial type processes. But we want to sort of build the sector slowly and sustainably so that it can gain acceptance in the market, understanding by the people of Northern Ireland and uh, drilling can become a, a tradition and industry here over time. If I could just add on that, uh, I think it's important. I think we set out in our report very clearly that that it's important to see the government leading out. If you look around the world, you see that uh, that indeed is the case where government are leading out in, on geothermal projects in many of the uh, areas and, and buildings are, are heated or cooled with geothermal solutions. So I think that was one of the key recommendations in our report. Um, and I know certainly following the Climate Act here in, in Northern Ireland, or ACTS, I should say, um, we, we see that there are sector plans afoot uh, where individuals are now tasked with coming up with a sector plan um, for for um, decarbonisation uh, and decarbonising their estates. So we would like to see the government departments at Stormont, uh, all of the government departments, and uh, there's nine good departments there, along with the 11 councils across Northern Ireland, leading out with um, some initial um, project scoping on geothermal. I think that's what we're calling for in the report, for that leadership, institutional leadership. In, in terms of further recommendations, Mark, there's obviously the, the lack of the, the legal regulatory framework as, as well. In, in terms of, of planning, I'm assuming that there may be some specific planning issues to deal with in terms of drilling as well. As Joe said, we don't really have a, a history of, of drilling in Northern Ireland as to is there some further hurdles that we need to be looking at tackling in the short term? Uh, absolutely, yes. You're correct to point that out. Certainly Northern Ireland has no specific legislation covering geothermal energy uh, and we would envisage that there are certain new pieces of primary legislation that would be required around heat networks and in addition to that finding definition on heat perhaps heat as a resource and and providing clarity in terms of the um, precise definition uh, between shallow and deep uh, geothermal projects 
but also in terms of uh, as the sector develops and builds the idea that the proximal argument or or the idea that there might be competing wells uh, as it were uh, nearby uh, might need some further consideration and, and legal clarity and so we would call for more stakeholder consultation with the legal profession I think that's really important that we get a co-created solution and set of solutions and we would certainly be calling for that. Yeah, I, I think it's obviously key that whilst demonstrator projects are ongoing that the regulatory side of it is, is done in tandem with that because uh, it obviously saves time and we don't want to find our, ourselves yeah. in a position in five years' time of, with that's uh, right. a blank page in terms of regulation. That's right. And, and Joe has alluded to that in, in the sense that the two initial, um, I suppose, pilot projects, one is situated at Stormont on the Stormont estate and we would see that as a co-current development whereby you would have the pilot uh, and the various issues being worked through and the workarounds and the workaround solutions but at the same time that that would feed into a, a roadmap which would set out certainly instructions for primary legislation and secondary legislation. Mm-hmm. Yeah just maybe to chip in there as well because the, the demonstrator at Stormont and represents a really unique opportunity for us to to showcase the technology and, and the social side of it. And we're very keen to um, to make the demonstrator projects as, as visible as possible so that, uh, as you said there, because as the people of Northern Ireland start to realise that, you know, geothermal is a technology that's accessible to anyone, whether that's someone in a residential house or a commercial building, um, we want to... To have things running in tandem so the policy and the regulation um so that people can then look at how could i if i'm looking to retrofit my home or i'm building a new home or want to um change the heating system in my business that they can consider these types of technology because there'll be significant interest the fact that as mark alluded to there the, the government are, are leading out here on making the market and they're starting on the storm into state which is a very visible building in belfast and I think it's fantastic to see that that's where they're going to start from, the government building in the heart of Northern Ireland. And there's no reason we can't lead out over the con- across the country with this technology and the decarbonisation of heat. But as you said, the policy, the regulation, and then also the incentives will have to you know, follow in tandem because if there's a, if there's a delay, then the technology may not gain the necessary traction it needs for there to be... Um, what I would like to see is my vision of a, a future geothermal industry here that's sustainable. We're training drillers, we're training geologists, you know, we're training people for the policy, the regulatory end of its side of it. So we actually build an economy in itself um, from geothermal energy. And one final point I suppose I'll say is it's not that this is, as we say, a, a new technology. So we can learn from all other countries and governments around the world that have, you know, walked this path before. Um, it's not like we're, we're going to the moon for the first time. There's a lot of people we can learn from. And the British Geological Survey, the Geological Survey of Northern Ireland and the Geological Survey of Ireland are all at the moment, you know, on their own sort of policy journeys and, and looking around the world for examples and case studies of best practice. So there's a lot of uh, information out there that we can adopt so that we can learn from from other people, basically. Thanks, Joe. Just one further question uh, in terms of energy security, the energy strategy did make the point of the need for an indigenous energy production uh, to relieve us of our reliance on not only fossil fuels but the wholesale cost of electricity and energy. Um, is Has there been a further focus on geothermal in, in terms of the 
stability of energy supply and um, I think I don't know who coined phrase homegrown energy, but uh, certainly that's something that 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 would be seen as a, an integral part of that uh, trilemma that is often spoken about. Again, we would probably go back to what we've stressed in our report for the Department for the Economy, and that is having a portfolio-driven approach is instrumental. And it seems almost common sense, but we know that common sense is not common. We know that uh, you know that that what happens is that that certain portfolios become skewed, and we see that with gas, and we see what happens as a result of that overdependency. So I think having a portfolio-driven approach, having an approach with a whole range of solutions, uh, will be um, a way uh, that both the energy strategy at the uh, government level, but but also in terms of in, in looking at individual businesses. Um, having um, a range of solutions uh, so that people are not overly kind of, I suppose, exposed to one source of energy uh, or the other. And I think geothermal has been a little bit of a Cinderella. It has been ignored. And I think uh, there's certainly an opportunity, as Joe was mentioning there, to build off the Sherwood Sandstone Formation. I think our forefathers have done that for many, many generations. There are over 130 buildings across Belfast and Northern Ireland that have been built with the Sherwood Sandstone. And I think we can repurpose. We can repurpose this formation and really um, use it for heating and cooling uh, solutions in Northern Ireland. Just on that, like the, the level of interest and engagement that, that we've had with anyone in government that we've been dealing with is phenomenal. They're so energetic about the energy strategy itself and and the delivery of this portfolio of energy solutions. And that comes from minister level right the way down, um, whether it was Minister Putsendira or Minister Gordon Lyons in, in DFE um, and the Geological Survey of Northern Ireland, the people in the Ehrlich. Um, Dr. Mary Cowan, the director of that organisation, is, is a, a, a significant leader, I would say, in driving the geothermal developments in Northern Ireland. But she's, she's supported by the government as well. Sharon Clements is the head of heat policy within DFE. Richard Rogers, the head of energy in Northern Ireland. Um, and people like Dr. Rob Rain, who's a chief energy geologist for GSNA. These people are also enthusiastic about the future. And the energy strategy you know, represents a very positive future for Northern Ireland in all aspects of the, the energy trilemma that Mark talked about talked about there so it's just fantastic to see so much interest and positive um, engagement towards this future vision that um, the government have presented in the energy strategy itself. Just to build on that I mean the GAC if you look at the GAC and the representation it's very diverse and balanced and you mentioned earlier their planning representation and there's somebody from the department of the communities within that committee so it's 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 a very inclusive and diversified set of, um, I suppose, uh, individuals. And I, I'm certainly impressed. And it's it's chaired by Dr. Mari Cowan from the GSNI. And uh, I would like to say that, you know, that that is a really important, I suppose, governance structure um, that feeds back and welcomes and encourages views and, and, and input. And I think that can only be... Um, really important for moving forward in terms of bringing about this uh, sector development. Thank you, Mark. Uh, it's always good to hear a positive spin on, on things as well. Um, but there, there's definitely, uh, it's extremely fascinating of the history of geothermal just within Belfast itself. And I'd wager that most people 
don't know there's so much uh, has happened over uh, those previous years and that there are all those demonstrators and initial projects out there at the moment. So I think that is extremely positive. So hopefully there will be a positive uh, future for geothermal. Well, I think, you know, it is positive and, and certainly in our report, we were trying to emphasize what, what measures can we put in place? And I think what is really important, the idea of uh, having a, a data-led, science-led approach to uh, developing the, the necessary data, the R&D data um, that, that is generated that can inform decision-making so that uh, businesses can create a, a a decision-making tool that allows them to actually use that data to inform um, how they can develop out um, their their heating and cooling solutions so that it is um, an indigenous resource as a home homegrown resource as well. But but I think there's other confidence building measures um, that, that are required in terms of, Joe mentioned, they're engaging with the public. I think there's a big education piece there in terms of uh, just engaging, Joe is correct. I mean, the amount of individuals that have asked me over the the last year about um, what exactly is geothermal, um, and that 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 ranges from somebody who who's MOT in your car to you know somebody you meet in the petrol station that's driving a, a renewable uh, lorry, and you, you start engaging about geothermal. There is a you know real um, energy out there. Excuse the pun in terms of individuals' interest in in geothermal and what it is. But but we would also see in tangent, um, you know, the development of standards um, and ensuring you know those standards are developed from you know international best practice, but also building the confidence in, in relation to having the regulatory framework there and, and the specific pieces of legislation. I think those will also build confidence in the sector as well as um, I suppose the, the social acceptance or sometimes it's referred to as uh, social license. That's very interesting and there definitely has been that generational shift where we now have quite an ego awakening and lots of people are very rightfully interested in, in the environment and the energy transition. Um, so hopefully geothermal can be one of those solutions. The second part of the Net Zero Pathway report is to be released. I understand it's just been signed off by the Minister and it uh, relates to defining the vision for geothermal energy in Northern Ireland. Uh, would you like to give us a sneak preview of, of what that vision is? Absolutely, yes. Um, so essentially, just to set the scene a little bit, uh, the report was generated from an event that was significantly organised by Joseph Ireland here. He's sitting across the table from myself, modestly. Um, and basically, um, in conjunction with the Department for the Economy, um, we brought together a whole range of stakeholders um, and a whole range of activities during that week from <clears throat> panels uh, to right through to even a, a site visit to, to Cumber and the, the um, Scrabble Tower and the um, outcrop of the Sherwood Sandstone. But within our, within our um, I suppose, um, stakeholder engagement event, we, we um, sat down with a whole range of individuals um, to articulate out a vision. And uh, offline, we developed that vision and then we fed that vision back to the GAC um, to get feedback uh, and this report is is basically the manifestation of that in this vision as well and at the heart of that vision is very much the built environment and experiences within the built environment and ensuring that there's a kind of a sense of offering uh, an offering of warm buildings cooler um, but around that we have a whole range of uh, I suppose 
sub dimensions, uh, including communities, people, customers, environment, operations, and investment. Uh, and just give you a little bit of a, a, a summary to that. I mean, it'll be in this report. You can kind of look through that yourself. But essentially what we're, um, that was generated from the stakeholder event, is the idea of consulting, involving everyone and building a community around this notion of distributed energy, which is not a Northern Ireland centric um, phenomenon. It's a it's something that's happening across the world where energy systems are becoming increasingly decentralized and distributed within communities. So at the heart of, of that vision is certainly the communities and how we can establish a just transition with those communities and build out supply chains locally. Um, in addition to that, we're very keen on, on developing um, talent uh, and to drive geothermal excellence and, and capacity building and policy development within the sector and Joe mentioned there earlier about east-west links with the North Sea oil and um, the idea that there's there's transferable skills um, but also in terms of south-north institutional corridors in terms of building out talent uh, and ensuring that we have um, the correct capacity. Um, Joe do you want to talk about any of the other kind of dimensions or are you happy with me just continuing but basically there's um, are you okay do you want to? I can chip in on the I suppose the the report itself is, is called Defining the Vision for Geothermal Energy in Northern Ireland. It's very much, if you think about vision as a concept, it's very much a forward-looking um, outlook for, for the future. And a so we've tried to define that vision through, as Mark said, stakeholder engagement in a co-created way. We've tried to ensure like a broad range of um, stakeholders from across Northern Ireland, throughout Northern Ireland Geothermal Energy Week, which I know I, I significantly helped organise, but wouldn't have been able to have done it without the Geological Survey and the Department for Economy. And um, everything that, that has been done over the past few years in trying to build this sector has been done in a very much co-created way. And we would like to continue that. And the vision um, that was outlaid, as we touched on earlier on in the energy strategy, is for net zero and affordable energy. So we tried to, to take that down towards geothermal then and what geothermal's vision can be within that. As Mark said, there we've come up with the the sort of slogan "warm buildings, cooler" because we can focus on on the decarbonisation of heat, but also in providing buildings that need cooling with adequate cooling from geothermal as well. And a, we're very um, we think this is a very positive report, and it also we hope that it will help shape future policy and um, build the sector as as we discussed around through the regulatory, the policy, and the incentives. That'll be needed, but the vision itself is is quite uh, crucial in this as well. And I'm actually writing a paper as part of my research at the moment on visions, because historically, um, visions have been explored from a research lens from about the 1980s. But they're all very corporate focused on corporations and on business development, which is probably a, a byproduct of globalization itself. And these large companies like Amazon and Google emerging through you know their vision statements, their mission statements. So what we're looking at then is this, can we adjust that and, and take a, a sector approach? So it's not a business focused or corporation or shareholder or employee, but whole sector. Uh, and we're, we're, we're writing a paper at the moment on, on the role the government can play in market making through having an initial vision, which is what you know this document outlays for us. Because 
what I always orientate towards when, when I'm thinking about geothermal and how I talk about it is how can we build the sector, not just a business or not just one project, because I'm very keen that the demonstrators aren't just demonstrators, they're actually enablers for us to grow out then from the very visible place in Stormont and wherever is selected for the deep project that again it's very visible and that the vision we have for the sector to grow is always at the forefront of everything you know that we do. Yeah just to just to build on that absolutely and and you know thinking about those broad uh, areas I suppose communities people uh, and customers and making sure that customers you know are, are able to maximize the benefits from a range of uh, sustainable solutions uh, to match their needs and and, and promote choice and i think that's a really important um, way that consumers can create that change as you mentioned there uh, earlier but i think critically as well as protecting protecting and preserving the environment for all communities i think that's been part of the division steering wheel as well and and having the the necessary operations and support vehicles um so that we do generate effective r d data that it's smart and it's a digitally um, accessible and available, uh, as well as having the, the correct um, mechanisms in place to uh, avail of and enable innovation and uh, change. And as Joe alluded to earlier, you know many of these transitions are institutional change problems they're wicked problems they're they're sticky problems but ultimately uh, we believe they're institutional problems um we need to work through and inhabit the institutions and change those institutions um through the different ways um that those institutions work Uh, and i think that this these two reports along with the ongoing efforts and work um sterling work by the gsni and um, the department for the economy have uh, been doing um in as Joe said in an inclusive way um through the GAC um we we can um bring about that important change. Thank you Mark. Uh thank you Joe. I look forward to reading the, the second part of the report. So thank you both for your time today. Thank you for having us. No worries John thanks very much. <laughs>